0: Match Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the spot to be at this summer in Navy Yard. Make sure to check out Walters' self Pour wall, Walters' unlimited televisions, and Walters' outdoor patio.
1: Located just across the street from Nationals Park. Open daily at 11 a.m. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Gore ready he's to the bell and the pitch to Ozuna swung on in the air to deep left center field back goes Garrett way back to the warning track going going gone goodbye it's the Braves three and the Nationals one and the pitch swung on driven in the air to deep right center field way back and it is gone goodbye on a curve ball a line shot bullet to right center field by Ronald Acuna Jr. He has done it again. A two-out, two-run home run, the second home
0: run of the inning for the Braves. And it's now Atlanta 5 and Washington 1. And welcome to Nats Chat for Sunday, June 11th. 2023. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the podcast. Well, on Saturday in game two of this uh, Nats series that the National League leading Atlanta Braves ended up with a bit of a duel between each team's starting right fielder, who also was his team's number one batter, talking about Lane Thomas versus Ronald Acuna Jr., although Acuna ended up outdoing Thomas and uh, the Braves did end up outdoing the Nats. A 6-4 Nats loss on Saturday. Uh, the Nats are uh, sinking here a bit. They've now lost six consecutive games. Now have lost nine of the team's last 11 games. And now we're 25-38 and 38, uh, as we have 99 games left in the Nats 2023 regular season. The Braves now are a National League best 40-24. and 24. Do not forget to check out our new website, natschatpodcast.com, which allows you to listen to previous installments of the show, contact the show, and order a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. Also, if you have, like, 20 seconds to spare, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And please consider writing a review saying that you like the podcast. You could do that on Apple Podcasts. So the reviews do not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help out the podcast a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. They are appreciated. So Mackenzie Gore was the Nats' starting pitcher on Saturday. Uh, He, like the other young, oh-so-important pitcher in the Nats' rotation, Josiah Gray had been a bit off lately and uh, that trend did continue on Saturday. Gore in this 6-4 loss at the Braves, five runs in five innings. Now he gave up just four hits, but all four of the hits were extra base hits. Two, two run homers and two doubles. Uh, he only issued one walk, but he also only recorded three strikeouts. Uh, Gore threw 82 pitches, 55 strikes versus 27 balls. The outing actually could have been a lot worse. Gore allowed five runs over the first two innings, but he then retired the final 10 batters he faced. Gore, in the bottom of the first, allowed a run on a leadoff first pitch, ground rule double by Ronald Acuna Jr. to left field and a one-out RBI sack fly by Austin Riley to tie the game at one. Gore, in the bottom of the second, allowed four runs. Gore issued a leadoff four-pitch walk of Travis Darno. Gore gave up a two-run homer by Marcelo Zuna on a bomb to left center field for a 3-1 Braves lead. The homer winner projected 426 feet per stat cast. Gore gave up a one-out opposite field double by Kevin Pillar off the right field wall. And Gore gave up a two-out, full-count, two-run opposite field homer by Ronald Acuna Jr. to right field for a 5-1 Braves lead despite Acuna Having been down to the count at 1.02, uh, the homer winner projected 413 feet per stat cast. Now, Gore did then retire the final 10 batters he faced. You know, something that both Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray have done a good job of this season is avoid the blow-up inning. You know, their worst innings have been like two or three run innings as opposed to four or five run innings. But, you know, we on Saturday did see Gore have a blow up inning. I mean, that four run bottom of the second was rough. But I do give Mackenzie Gore credit for ending strong. Again, retiring the final 10 batters he faced. But Mackenzie Gore now over his last eight starts, 22 runs in 42 innings. That works out to an ERA of 471. Gore, over his first five starts in this regular season, had an ERA of exactly three. Uh, Also, Gore is giving up some homers here. He, over his 13 starts, has allowed a total of 11 home runs, but seven of the 11 home runs have come over his last five starts. He's a young pitcher, right? He's a work in progress, and no doubt, the Braves are a really good team. Uh, But Mackenzie Gore has had some problems lately. Uh, Both he and Josiah Gray have come back down to earth. The key remains that overall each guy this season has been a lot more good than bad. But, you know, as we sort of monitor this and go, you know, start to start, week to week, month to month, right now, at this moment in time, each guy is off a bit. Uh, I thought that what Nats manager Davey Martinez said during his postgame session with reporters on Saturday evening on Mackenzie Gore was interesting. You know, Davey, as he usually does, focused on the positive, but provided insight on why Gore was better after giving up the five runs. Take a listen.
3: One bad inning again, right? I mean, um, what I loved, it was the fact that McKenzie came back out there and uh, retired 10 in a row with 30 pitches. I mean, that's kind of what we were looking for. I mean, if we could keep him right there, it's good. And all, all it was was a, really a conversation about being on the offensive, not afraid of throwing strikes, get ahead of hitters. And he did that and was really, really good. So, you know, I was proud of him for doing that. You know, we, we tried to come back and we fell short a little bit. You know, Garrett with a bomb, you know, there at the end there. Um, but we'll come back tomorrow and go, try to go one-row tomorrow.
1: What did you see from McKenzie in those two home run balls in the second?
3: Yeah, just, uh, just like I said, he just, just fell behind. and I'm, too, I'm pretty good hitters, right? So then all of a sudden, he, when he worked ahead, he was really good. He threw, like, 17 first-pitch strikes out of 20, so when he's able to do that, like, what kind of encouraging signs is that for you when you can continue to kind of do that? Yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, he, when he pounds the strike zone, his stuff is electric, it really is, so we got to keep him in the strike zone, not try to, you know, he's not a guy that's going to nitpick the corners or anything, just attack the hitters, uh, make his pitches, um, his stuff is good. So, you know, like I said, I, w- I was very proud that, you know, he came back and, and gave us three more strong innings the way he did. Uh, you know, he wanted, he wanted to stay in the game, but he had a 40-pitch inning. And uh, I thought that was that was enough. I mean, I, I wanted to leave him with a good taste in his mouth.
0: All right, the Nats bullpen on Saturday. Overall was pretty good. The bullpen was not a problem in this game. Two Nats relievers combined to allow one run in three innings with five strikeouts. Chad Cool he allowed one run in one and two thirds innings with two strikeouts. Cool in the bottom of the seventh. A ladder run on a one out single by Kevin Pilar to left center field, a stolen base by Pilar, and a two out opposite field RBI double by Ronald Acuna Jr. off the right field wall for a 6 3 Braves lead. Now, the Acuna RBI double is worth highlighting here.
2: The 0 uh, 1 from Cool. Hit high in the air, right field, Thomas going back, still going back. He's near the wall, he jumps, he can't get it. It's off the
0: Georgia Power logo, off the wall. Coming in to score as Pilar. The double came on a high fly ball that was not well played by the Nats right fielder, Lane Thomas. And we know the deal with Lane. He has had problems with balls off walls, and uh, this was another instance of that. I'm not sure what Lane was doing. It did not look well. You know, he tracked the ball pretty well, And then he kind of just gave up on the ball as it was going off the wall. I mean, it would not have been an easy catch, but it was catchable. I mean, at least make an attempt. (laughs) And uh, Lane did not even make an attempt. So the wall continues to be a uh, bit of an issue for Lane Thomas here. But Acuna, another big hit in this game with that RBI double. So Chad Cool one run, one and two thirds innings. But then Jordan Weems, one and a third scoreless innings with three strikeouts. But overall, I mean, Cool and Weems together, one run, three innings, five strikeouts. Hard to be mad about that. Uh, But going back to Ronald Acuna Jr. and Lane Thomas. So Acuna is having a monster season. He on Saturday had a monster day. Three for four, two run homer, RBI double, and another double. Oh, by the way, Acuna in the top of the ninth, a very nice leaping catch of a first pitch lineout by Dominic Smith on the right field warning track. For the second out. You know, Ronald Acuna Jr. entered Saturday number one among all National League position players in wins above replacement war. For baseball reference, for this regular season at 3.2. But the Nats' starting right fielder and number one batter, Lane Thomas, uh, he too had a productive day as a batter on Saturday. I just mentioned his defensive boo-boo. But Lane as a batter was once again very impressive. You know, the Nats actually out-hit the Braves in this game, 9-6, although the Nats did have no walks to the Braves' three. But Lane Thomas on Saturday, 2-4 for with a triple and a two-run double. Thomas in an at one run first, a leadoff full count opposite field triple to deep right center field, despite having been down to the count of 1.02. And Thomas in an at two run fifth, a two out full count two run double off the left field warning track to cut the Nats deficit to 5 3. So two full count extra base hits for Lane Thomas in this game a triple and a two run double. He continues to have a terrific season. Lane Thomas, for this regular season, leads all qualified Nats players in OPS at 802. But the extent to which Lane Thomas continues to produce in the first innings of games is outstanding. I've talked about this, but I'm going to continue to talk about this until this stops. Lane Thomas, in this regular season now, has a first inning OPS of 1,179. He has been otherworldly in the first innings of games this season. His first inning batting average is 462. His first inning on base percentage is 512. His first inning slugging percentage is 667. Lane Thomas in first innings this season has been Babe Ruth. I mean, this really has been something. So, awesome job by Lane Thomas, uh, you know, you talk about being a leadoff batter, right? A number one batter, an igniter of an offense. This guy literally, like game in, game out as the Nationals' first batter in the first inning, top or bottom of the game, is coming through. And he came through once again in this game with that leadoff full count opposite field triple in what ended up being a one-run first inning for the Nats on Saturday. <music> Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Bitt-Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Natchat chat sponsor, Mason Kalfas, and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kelfis has recruiters in six states and displaced lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red hot antitrust, IP litigation, white collar litigation, finance and direct lending and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kelfis. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535.
1: Are you looking for tickets to an upcoming event? D.C. might not have been on the Taylor Swift circuit, but still plenty of other events in the nation's capital, such as the Ed Sheeran concert in a few weeks in Landover. That's why you should download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. You get cheaper tickets, and it helps the podcast a bit. Sounds like a smooth 643 double play. Again, create an account and redeem the code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Terms apply. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
2: From the stretch, he delivers, and Garrett swings and belts one deep to left. Down the line toward the corner, going, going, and gone, goodbye. Off the facing of the second deck and bouncing down into the Nationals' bullpen in left field. Bang, zoom, goes Stone Garrett with a leadoff home run here in the top of the ninth inning. And the Nationals are within two. It's now Atlanta
0: six and Washington four for Garrett, his third home run of the year at RBI number 15. The Nats on Saturday did hit a homer. Stone Garrett, uh, he was the Nats' starting left fielder, had number five batter. He went one for four with a solo homer. Uh, Garrett, in a Nats' one-run ninth, had a leadoff homer to cut the Nats' deficit to 6-4. Now, the homer did come off a lefty. Came off Braves lefty reliever A.J. Minter. So, Stone Garrett now, in this regular season, OPS against lefty pitchers of eight fifty five. He has done really well against lefty pitchers this season. A few other things with this game. Joey Manessis, another multi-hit game. He is an at-starting DH and number three batter, went two for four with two singles. Alex Call had an impressive catch in this game. He is an at-starting center fielder, number six batter, went one for four with a single. But Call, in the bottom of the sixth, a terrific running and falling catch of a first-pitch liner by Ozzy Albies in the right center field gap for the second out. Really good play.
2: The right-hander winds and delivers in a swing and a drive of the year to right center field. Called on the
0: run, closing and dives and he makes the catch. Rolls over, pops to his feet and holds on for the out. And I mentioned Dominic Smith earlier. He actually did not start on Saturday. Uh, yes, the Dominic Smith, Cal Ripken Jr. like. Lou Gehrig-like Iron Man streak is over. Imagine that. Michael Chavis was the Nats starting first baseman at number seven batter. Uh, he went one for two with a single, but Chavis starting at first base for the Nats marked the first time since April 27th that Dominic Smith was not the Nats starting first baseman, uh, although Smith did end up uh, pinch hitting for Chavis in this game. But Dom Smith off the rough game on Friday night, perhaps not so coincidentally, not starting for the first time in a long time in this game on Saturday. You tell us what you think. You can tweet us at Nats underscore chat. You can email us Nats chat at gmail.com. We got this email from Mark uh, writes, Mark, I just wanted to compliment you on the podcast. I've been listening to more and more of the shows and find them really well done. I especially like the focus on the games and what the performances tell us about the team's progress or not. Good job. Well, thank you for that, Mark. And no, that email was not from Mark Zuckerman. Uh, I don't think that that was from Mark Lerner either, although we'll have to double check on that. Email from Jacob writes, Jacob, hey guys, I discovered the podcast earlier this season and I've listened to every episode since. Whether I was at the game or not, I appreciate your insights and analysis. Well, thank you, Jacob. Continues Jacob. One topic I'd like to hear your thoughts on is coaching. You frequently discuss the areas where the bullpen and hitting need to improve and which players need to do what. But what about Jim Hickey and Darnell Coles? I would be very interested to hear what you have to say about their roles and how they could improve. Thanks for the great content. Well, thank you for the email, Jacob. Yeah, so we have talked about the Nats pitching coach, Jim Hickey, and the Nats hitting coach, Darnell Coles, from time to time. But the truth is that in baseball, What exactly coaches are working on with players and how those coaches are working on those things with players are like cloaked in secrecy. You rarely hear from coaches in Major League Baseball. You know, in the NFL, top assistant coaches do press conferences. I mean, I know with Washington for years now, the offensive and defensive coordinators for the team have done press conferences every Thursday of a regular season week in which the next game is on a Sunday. So in addition to hearing from the head coach a bunch, we have heard from the offensive and defensive coordinators a bunch. They don't always say a lot, but the idea is you hear from these people. You can ask them questions. In Major League Baseball, there's really nothing like that. The manager talks to reporters a ton. The manager does a session with reporters before and after every game, the general manager occasionally talks to reporters. Uh, Some GMs talk more than others. But the coaches, you know, the pitching coaches, the hitting coaches, the bench coaches, these guys rarely do sessions with reporters. Now, you know, I think from time to time during batting practice, a reporter or two can chat up a Jim Hickey or a Darnell Coles. But you know, you'll notice when you read articles about the Nats, like when you read Mark Zuckerman's pieces on Massinsports.com or Jesse Doherty's pieces on WashingtonPost.com, the likes of a Jim Hickey and a Darnell Coles are rarely, if ever, quoted. Certainly not during the regular season. You know, spring training is a little different. But my point is that we don't get to know these coaches very well. They don't speak publicly often. And so we're left to go off what the manager says. And, you know, there may be some off the record stuff that gets filtered through somehow. But by and large, there's just not a ton of access that we get to coaches in baseball. I'll also say this, while pitching coaches and hitting coaches do matter, they ultimately can only do so much. And I think that they can be a little overrated. Now, there certainly are some really good ones, and the bad ones can really harm you, okay? So I'm not trying to say that they don't matter. They do matter. But when it comes to the significance of coaches in baseball, I always come back to Leo Mazzoni. Do you remember Leo Mazzoni? And actually, this is fitting because the Nats are playing the Braves this weekend. Leo Mazzoni, his run as pitching coach for the Braves, 1990. Through 2005, yielded outstanding results, right? With the likes of Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and John Smoltz and plenty of others, right? The Braves' pitching in those years was so good. Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz leading the way as starting pitchers, and then eventually Smoltz as a closer. And Leo Mazzoni was viewed as just this gem of a pitching coach. Well, Leo Mazzoni then joined the Orioles for the 2006 and 2007 seasons. And do you know what happened with Leo Mazzoni with the O's? (laughs) Uh, The results were not very good because instead of having the likes of Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and John Smoltz, Leo Mazzoni had the likes of Rodrigo Lopez and Daniel Cabrera, And Chris Benson. Now, it is true that someone like, you know, Eric Bedard was pretty good in 2006 and 2007, but for the most part, the Orioles' pitching was not so good with Leo Mazzoni as pitching coach in 2006 and 2007. Now, you know, did Leo Mazzoni take uh, ignorant pills? Like, no, okay. Did he all of a sudden become a terrible pitching coach? No. You know, the difference was that the talent on the Braves was a little bit different than the talent on the Orioles. And so, whereas Leo Mazzoni as Braves pitching coach looked like a genius, Leo Mazzoni as Orioles pitching coach did not look so much like a genius. So again, coaches in baseball do matter, but they can only do so much. And, you know, I think in a sport like football, scheme matters a lot, system matters a lot, how you deploy players matters a lot. And baseball you know, it's hitter versus pitcher, pitcher versus hitter. And I think in baseball, it really is true. Those who can do and those who cannot do not. And again, coaching can help and coaching can be significant. But you know, if you're good, you'll be good. And if you're a pitching coach or a hitting coach, in a lot of ways, you are at the mercy of the talent that you're working with. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. Nats Chat is on the radio Sunday mornings 11 to 12 on ESPN Richmond, which is 106.1 FM in the Richmond, Virginia area and ESPNrichmond.com online. I'm Al Galdi. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast.
2: There it is. The St. Louis Cardinals advance to the NLCS. The Cardinals beat the Braves in Game 5 13-1 on the strength of a 10-run first inning, their 14th NLCS and the first since 2014.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.